This week, I sit down with Sam McNichol, who runs the famous public house and music venue Connolly's of Lip, plays with the band Talos, and arguably has one of the best moustaches in Ireland. In this episode, we dug deep into the history of Connolly's of Lip and what it was like for Sam growing up in a venue that attracted artists such as The Frames, The Pale, Garth Hudson from the band, Donal Lunny and John Martin, and how the Pink Floyd hammer flag came to be a part of the infamous setup at Connolly's. One of the most intriguing aspects of Connolly's of Lip for me is the fact that it has been home to three generations of Sam's family and his mother was actually born in the house there. During our chat, we discussed how the pub was closed down, reopened under the stewardship of Sam and the exciting plans that Connolly's has to keep growing as a renowned venue for gigs and events. It was very interesting to get an insight into the behind the scenes workings of a rural venue from a business perspective. And as with any other business owners that I've interviewed on the podcast, it was easy to find common ground when discussing the work hours, effort and commitment that's required to run a successful business, as well as the essential element of having a great team behind the business. We also discussed the band Talos and their success, the excitement that comes with doing something that you absolutely love to do and juggling the two big commitments of being a professional musician and a business owner for Sam. I went to see Talos doing their thing at Electric Picnic last year and it was one of the best gigs that I ever attended. After you've listened to this episode, I would highly recommend getting Talos up on Spotify or YouTube or even better, checking out their upcoming dates and getting a hold of some tickets and go and see them in person. If you're a regular listener of the podcast, you'll know that it's sponsored by the unique personal training facility that I founded myself in 2013, Ackley. We're based in the Crawford Business Park on Bishop Street in Cork City Centre, and the Rebel Matters studio is in the social space that we've created for get-togethers such as our monthly book club, movie nights, weekly Irish lessons, and general hanging out in between training sessions. Our training programmes at Ackley are geared towards helping you move better, become stronger and more mobile. A typical training session lasts about one hour and during that time one of our coaches will bring you through a carefully selected sequence of upper body, lower body, core and mobility exercises. One of the most valuable things that our members identify about training at Ackley is the fact that there's a wide selection of training slots available and you can book yourself in online for your weekly sessions at a time that suits your own schedule. It's a very efficient and enjoyable method of training and it's suitable for all levels of ability. So it's perfect for when you're trying to get fit and healthy on a busy schedule. If you're interested in coming on board as a personal training member at Ackley, go to www.aclaiackley.ie and book yourself in for a 20 minute complimentary consultation at a time that suits you. During the consultation, we can go through your goals, establish a strong plan to achieve them and get you started. I'm going to start off the podcast by congratulating you on your fantastic moustache. <laughs> Thanks. Jack Crotty says you copied him and that's where it came from. Oh, is that what he said? Is, is, that, is, that, is that what Jack said? Yeah, he said that. said those words today. He said, he said it today. He said that Sam copied my moustache. Man, do you know what? I feel like 
everyone's copying everyone's mustache, you know. Did you copy Jack Harley's mustache? I don't think so. I no. Is there a story behind it? But I moved to an island. I was traveling up the east coast of Australia, and I think in like 2010, and I was hanging out with a bunch of uh, German guys that were like tra- train riding. Do you know what that is? It's like graffiti artists. Like so, they were breaking into like train stations and graffing trains and shit. And they were pretty. Um, they were pretty wild guys. And we ended up in this town shithole called Townsville, which is a right and there's an island off of it called magnetic island and i ended up moving there and everyone we were all like let's grow beards you know let's all like move there and grow beards and i just i just could not grow a beard and about three weeks in they were like i think you're like more of a mustache kind of guy (laughs) (laughs) so yeah that was it i just started shaving i think that was like 2010 i think that was the last time i've had a like a tash since then you put some wax on it i do yeah it's good yeah Yeah, tash it up or wax it up yeah (laughs) (laughs) I'll put a good yeah. moustache picture into the show notes for everybody. Uh, all right. So I was going to start off properly and start the conversation about Connolly's because it's famous and uh, a lot of people have been talking about it. Yeah. I haven't been there yet. Not there, right? So I need to, I need we'll to get that. there. But uh, yesterday and the last couple of days I've been, I've been stalking you online, mm-hmm. doing a bit of research cool. and I found out that 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 building has been in your family since the early 1950s? Yeah, like three generations. Yeah. Let's start there. Yeah, it's cool. Um, uh, my grandparents bought it in the 50s. I think 52, I think. So yeah, they were from West Cork, Drina kind of area. And met, married, bought bought the local Chuck Torna. And... Uh, yeah, raised six kids. Uh, my grandfather was an amazing singer, Mick. Um, that's kind of where the music started, I guess, you know. Like, it was called the Central back The then? Central Bar, yeah. That's what it was known as when they bought it. It was the Central Bar. Yeah, it's actually... Um, and so, yeah, they, they kind of... Um, and they, like, mom was literally born in the building, like, upstairs. I think she had... she, I think she had four of the six kids in the house, in the building, which is lovely, I... It's amazing. I mean, there's obviously a lot of emotional connection then to the physical space, which is, you know, quite profound, really, to know that, like, your creator was, like, conceived and then born in the building as well. Yeah, Yeah, so it's gone three generations now. What's been the the sort of process from the time that your your grandparents bought it to the previous generation now, sort of at the helm at the minute, so... Talk mm-hmm. us through it a little bit. Uh, it's definitely had it's it's had me, like quite a metamorphosis since I think since the like old school Irish ballad sessions singing like people used to come down on horse and carts you know like li- literally to West Cork it was a very big my grandparents used to have a halting site at the back you know and people would come down from the city or whatever people horse drawn cart and they would literally come down park up and then people would session on in the summer you know drinking and that's not that that's not that long ago you know what i mean that's like my you know that's that's a generation ago talking but, about in the 60s yeah in the 60s like yeah. definitely you know that, that that was the thing and then um yeah my my grandparents ran it and uh, like they were they were fantastic business people like they were you know they ran a great business raised raised kids and then they built a house right beside it and my mom moved to dublin and that's where she met my my dad, who was kind of like he was. He was from my dad was from Port Rush, you know that from County Antrim. 
So he was like the hippie. He was like the northern hippie. And they met in Dublin. And uh, yeah, they, they fell in love in Dublin or, or something along those lines. And um, had my older brother. Yeah. And then my, my mom just, I think just one day was like, I'm moving back, moving home. I don't think her, her, her mother was well. So she came down. They gave, I think the parents uh, gave the pub, you know, traditionally Irish families give everything to, to the boys, you know. Mm. So I think Mike got the, the pub, the youngest son. So, and I think they were running it with them. Dad brought the music down. I think actually it's 30 years next year. It's in the 88, I think. It was one of the first kind of shows that he did down there, I think. Freddie White. Um, so yeah, it's been, a, it's been a long road. So yeah, it was my grandparents had it. And then it was very traditional, classic Irish bar. With, with kind of like Shano singing sessions kind of every Wednesday and Thursday. In the Wild West. In the Wild West. And then dad came and like really turned it on its head then, you know. Yeah, but it was just, you know, West Cork's always been a kind of a hub or a home for the eclectic and the estranged. Mm. You know, there's lots of Germans down there, lots of British, like lots of artists, you know, it's very stark landscape, you know. Even the way that Lep got its name. Is yeah. looking at, give us a little bit of a yeah. taste of that yeah. story there. Yeah, I think it's, well, Donovan. I think uh, you 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 were reading about it recently. Lamy yeah. Donovan, is yeah, Lamy Donovan, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that that's literally beside the building, like the you know the Connolly's is on the waterfall, like you can see it from the garden from the yeah. back, you know. Um, yeah, so I think I think he was a, a rebel, like, but he was a, a priest as well. So he right. was he was saying mass. There would have been a mass path, you know, adjacent yeah. adjacent to the road where people would have practiced, you know, their culture in in secret. And uh, he ran on on a horse. He's being chased. That's as sort of story goes. Being chased by the the British or whatever, and he jumped over the ravine. But I mean, it's the story is literal, but it's also symbolic, you know, because it's like he literally jumped over the ravine. But you know, symbolically, like the British would not go to that part because it's like re- that's a rebel county down yeah. there. That was never England, you know. That was never like if the landowners, like you look at the. If you look at Castle Townsend, you look down west along, like down in West Cork, there's actually always been a symbiotic, harmonious relationship between the British landowners and the Irish, because if there wasn't the Irish, they would have just killed them. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it was like they exemplified that in other parts of Cork, where it was just like if the landowner tr- tried to be like kind of, um, I don't know, like a, like if they if they showed like their colonial hand or whatever, they were their house was burned down. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You can, there's a Sir Walter Raleigh's house is stunning house is like burned as into a ruin now, you know? And it's like, I quite like that. I quite like that. It was like, then you go down to Castle Towns and you see the Somervilles are like the houses down there. And whenever the famine was on, they actually, the landowners protected the local people and made sure that they were, were eating, you know? And mm. it was like, I don't know, there's this kind of, I don't know, it's a very respectful land. I love the saying beyond the leap beyond the law there's there's a lot of like dual meanings in there i think you can really read into it you know yeah probably still true to a certain extent today absolutely well. man. <laughs> in and a like, different way yeah you know and and like dad is the northerner like the anti like the blow-in the out-of-towner yeah. he, he obviously loved that story do you know yeah he loved feeling like he was in the the kind of rebel county 
I guess, you know, and he was a rebel at heart as well. And I think that's what every, that's what our, you know, that's what I feel like I'm doing today. I'm rebelling from my father. That's what I, you know, maybe by trying to have a very successful business, <laughs> you know, maybe take a holiday yeah. I don't know, or renovate the house, you know, that would be ultimate rebellion from my part. That's the way I look at it, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's important that we all rebel from our, like, you know, from our immediate surroundings, you know, or just challenge everything and kind of like try and make it better. So your dad was from Portrush mm-hmm. and so I'm thinking if I have things right, um, so your dad passed away, it was 10 years ago or so? Or 2010. 2010. So, yeah, eight, year, eight years in, in March, yeah. And what, um, so... I'm just kind of assuming here that maybe our, our dads maybe are in the same age. I know my 59. dad was my dad's sixty this year, so okay, yeah, he was be. he was fifty nine when he passed away. Okay. So yeah, there was a a really strong music movement in Belfast mm-hmm. in the seventies, seventies, eighties, yeah, yeah, like really strong. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen that movie, uh, Good Vibrations, about course, the, yeah. the records. So mm-hmm. I seen that. I was like, went back to my dad. I was like. I did you ever hear of a record shop called uh, Good Vibrations? He's mm-hmm. like, Good Vibrations, like Terry Hooley. Spent half my life there, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so yeah. is that was that kind of part of an influence for your dad, do you think? Well, his band were signed to that record label. Were they? Yeah. Like yeah. I know I know Terry Hooley. I he I mean I mean a lot of people say that, you know. He's a he's a iconic socialite. But I have uh he, he, he him and dad were were very good friends, you know. And um and Obviously, Dad passed away in 2010. He was in a band called the Mighty Shamrocks. You should, you should, you'll love that stuff. We'll put it on after this, after, okay. after, after our chat. <laughs> um, he was in a band called the Mighty Shamrocks, and they signed to Good Vibes. Terry put all the money up for them to record the record, and they recorded it. It was a great record, and like he recorded some of it, and then there was another drummer that was also playing on it. Um, unfortunately, something happened. They pressed the record, or the the record never got released anyway. So there was all this money put up for it to be recorded. It was recorded with Mud Wallace and a, a, like a really a renowned producer from Belfast. And then it just it got shelved. Nothing happened with it. And um, then when dad passed away, the lead singer kind of got back on to me and said like, you know, we're all going to die and this music's never, ever going to be re- released, you know? So he actually, he was like, we want to re-release it. So, you know, we want your permission for your dad's, you know, because technically you like inherited the, I suppose like the estate or whatever, or like, you know, the, the permission. So I, he was like, yeah, I said, yeah, go for it. Like put it out. And he was like, we want to, we want you to play, play drums. Like come and learn all his parts and everything. So was, that was hectic. That happened, that happened about four years ago. It was actually just like learned all my dad's drum parts went and um, performed with his old band in Northern Ireland. And Terry was there, like Terry came, like he, they put the album out, like Good Vibrations, like reinvested back into it and put yeah. it all out. But Terry, he was, he was very funny with me because I think him and dad had a very like tumultuous relationship. Like I think dad probably called him all of this shit to be honest. And uh, I don't know, he told me off for wearing Birkenstocks or something. And uh, and I just gave him a piece of my mind, and he was like, "I don't think he's used to people standing up to him a little bit, you know." <laughs> yeah. So that music's out there. Yeah, no? it's out there. Yeah. It's on Spotify. Yeah. Good. Yeah. How, how can you find it? It's called Pad. Uh, it's called Paddy. The, yeah. the album they named it after Dad. That was his name, Paddy. Yeah. So yeah, Mighty Shamrocks. You can type it in there and find it. Okay, we'll check that out. Yeah, it's great, man. It's kind of like uh, Steely Dan, kind of nineteen. 
it's it's different to the music that was coming out at the time. You're right though. There was a re- there was a really strong musical culture in Belfast at that time. You know, like it was. You know, that's what happens when there's uh, when there's social injustice or and and the youth culture are confronted with that, and it's in their face. You know, and it's grinding against them. Like the punk movement that happened in Belfast was like really important. You know, and it sent ricochets worldwide. You know, that like, like Irish punk bands world are world renowned, you know, some of the best music that ever came out from the whole punk subculture was from the north of Ireland, you know, because it was a fucking tough time to be around there, you know, and it was like art was like them fighting back. Dad's band were not a punk band. They were a country. They were more influenced by Americana and country rock. I would, which would I, I would argue is like another evolution again on top of that, because they were just like, all right, we're not angry. any like, mm. There's enough fucking anger out there, you know, I, and then the bands were just replicating it and sending it out into the world. I think they just stepped above it again and we're like, we're going to play stuff that is transcendental, you know, takes us to like a place that isn't yeah, Belfast. But the, you know? the music scene, it seems to be that it sort of, it um, was a cross community thing, not not intentionally, but like it, it didn't sort of recognize or oh, this is the user Catholics or we're Protestants. It was sort of everyone was just, there was, seems to be a group of people there who were just in the music back there fucking damn right I mean they were called the mighty shamrocks do you know what I mean like yeah. and it was and there was only one catholic in the band and three protestants do you know yeah. so it was like the lead singer of the band was Michael Stevens do you know what I mean but it was like they were in the mighty it was a, it, they the name was very punk because mm. it was a very like it was like you know the band the police you know they they called you know at such a time when everyone hated the police and then it was like a really cool band calling themselves like the police you know it's like that is quite, it's quite a punk name. And then for them not to be a punk band was, I don't yeah. know. Like you can, again, it's like the Beyond the Leap, Beyond the Law. You can just read into it all day long, you know? Yeah. It's very clever. Yeah. Actually, I guess when you look back now, there's there was times whenever like, the, the music did play an important part back then. And then you had things like the Miami Show Band mm-hmm. Massacre as well. Like, yeah. So uh, it was a very tough time. So your dad ended up coming down to West Cork one way or another. Yeah, absolutely. So what happened then? He'd put it on the map. Yeah, 100%. Like, I'm still feeling it, feeling the, the grow, you know? Seriously, like, there's 20, 20 years later, like, people still, they're still, like, tripping over their words when they talk about him, you know? Yeah. You know, that saying is, like, you, you don't remember how exactly what someone said, you remember how they made you feel, you know? Yeah. And I really do think that dad made people feel like artists, you know? He was really, he just lived for it. He lived for art. He collected magazines. He collected records. It was like, he was obsessed. You'd, you'd never sit down with him. And he's like, what? And he wouldn't have something to show you. Something that was new and cutting edge and like always moving forward, you know? Like I didn't grow up with like vinyl and a record player. I grew up with like every, the newest thing always. So it was always like, it was like mini, like there's, you know, he recorded every single gig but it's all different mediums. It starts off on like ADAT, mini disc, CD, onto hard drive. And then, you know, it's like, there's all these mediums, you know, he was, he was just so hip. Yeah, <laughs> mini disc was a, was a short flash. Short flash in the pan. But like, it was, <laughs> yeah, it was at the time it was revolutionary. Yeah, yeah. I remember, I remember thinking yeah. that mini disc is where I was at and then recorded everything on the mini disc. Yeah. And the next thing just, iPods came out. Yeah, iPods came like, wow. <laughs> okay. Really can get a lot on there. <laughs> yeah. uh, even in the last couple of days, now since since we had planned to have this chat, I've been asking people in the gym, I was like, oh, have you ever been down in Connolly's and Lep? And they're like, oh yeah. 
mm. you don't lose him so yeah. and some people say oh I remember say meet Paddy down there I yeah. remember going to this gig mm -hmm. that gig was brilliant it, it literally is a famous venue yeah 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 he was uh, dad was like uh, I miss him like he was he was a legend really like he was just he just had such a like an effervescent kind of like enthusiasm but in a very like like a sultry what kind of I don't know he had like a silver tongue that like that northern wit that like it's you don't have to say much you know like I talk about five times as much as he did you know <laughs> but, but, it, but yeah he was just like I think do you know what it was man it was like he created something that he he had been a musician he'd been traveling and he'd been doing it he he knew what needed to be done like how bands wanted to feel like the gear that was there it was great you know everything was like top-notch like high quality gear so bad like he just created a place that artists wanted to go to yeah and that was it you know and they would have been bopping down the road like it would have been a 10-hour drive back then from dublin to court you know down to west cork there yeah. wasn't the motorway or any of that crack like who played there back in the day um all the irish bands you know like something happens the stunning like all the trad heads, you know, Ronnie Drew, like guys from the Dubliners, like, you know, everything up to like John Martin, David Gray, the frames were there like constantly on a constant rotation, you know? There's a story there about the flag. The flag, yeah, yeah we'll get to that. The okay. flag, there's like, there's like a, the, yeah, you know, the frames, kind of everyone and anyone that kind of came through Ireland, it was just on the circuit, man. It was just on the circuit, you know? Yeah. And I don't, and it wasn't that it was a cash cow, I don't I don't know if bands like you know made a, a ton of money down there but it was like they were always treated really well they could also record the gig as well because dad had like at the time very cutting edge technology you know what I mean like nice quality everything was really high quality you just got treated well down there you know would so, people stay for a while and record yeah 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 just many records have been done down there he had his own record label for a few years as well in the 90s yeah rescue records and would you, would you have met a lot of the artists coming through, like all of them? Like or? I lived in the building, like. Yeah. Yeah. What was that like? Um, traumatic. <laughs> no, no, no. It, you wake up and you see Ronnie Drew downstairs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, actually, yeah, yeah. It, do you know what's funny is like, it, do you know what's normal is normal? Like you can grow up, like you could be, your dad could be a farmer. And he could never be there and he comes in for his lunch at one and then he's out again, you know, and that's normal. My normal was like, was just a bit, had a bit more lunacy in it, you know? And I guess that was normal to me. It was normal for me to be in like a onesie watching like a punk band, like with holding a teddy bear. Do you know, I have a lot of those memories of being very small in the venue and watching a lot of stuff going on and just kind of drinking it all in and being like wow you know this is weird and I remember staying at my friends houses where they like parents had the regimented structure of like bedtime and watch some tv and I remember this is like this is so cool it's like being in a normal <laughs> house <laughs> you know it's like I think when they closed the venue and when I moved away to the UK and people you know have that like oh so who are you and where are you from and you tell the story and you like reenact all of you know your life and you tell it over and over again that's when I really started realizing how just, I think how really unique and special it was to grow up there um, and how it kind of shaped and formed me, uh, you know, into the adults that I'm trying to become. <laughs> <laughs> and know. what brought you back then to, to, to sit at the, sit in the hot seat of Sit Hanley's? in the hot seat, yeah. 
I don't know. I mean, I think it was just that. It was like repeating it over and over again. And people are like, wow, you're so, you know, it was just people being like, you're so lucky. How crazy that your parents just had this life where they were like, had a creative life and they, you know, what more is there to life other than like art and creativity and self-expression and like doing something that makes you happy, you know? And I was just surrounded by that. I mean, there was, there was alcohol and there was like, you know, some antisocial behavior as well, but it's few and far between in my memory. Mm. I remember like a house full of music and artists and laughter, you know, and, you know, and, and work, you know, I just, I, I really missed it. I just, have so much love for that, for that venue or that space, like even the smell of it. Like I remember coming back, the, the longest I've ever been away from the venue was like a year. And I just like, as soon as I came back, it was like, I just, everything about it was like, you have to do this again. And as a venue, was it closed for a while? For nine years. Mm-hmm. So was it closed, say before you? Yeah. Took from, over, yeah. yeah, it was closed from 2006 okay. until 2015. So nine years. So you've been at it for... Two, two, nearly two years two yeah. years in December mm-hmm. and what, what's been the experience so far it's just like it's been mind-blowing yeah. mind-blowing even last weekend gone like was a kind of a a moment for me you know we had this one of dad's favorite songwriters was back his name was Martin Stevenson and he was in a band called uh, Martin Stevenson and the Dainties back in the 80s late 80s and um He's had a great career, but like he was just, he, he he was one of the mythical creatures from my childhood. He was like so fun and creative. And every time he came through the house, he spent a lot of time with us as kids, you know. So I remember him being very funny as a, as a child and for him to come back with me as me as an adult, like running the venue and being able to like pay for him to come down and like, you know, for him to fly over from the UK and come down. It's like, it just feels like big boy shit, you know? And it's just like, I dreamed about it, you know? And then I, and now I'm doing it. And it's just like, what a great, what a great feel, you know? Cause it's like, you just work and you work and you work and you're moving and you're trying to create something. And then, then every now and then you have that like kind of moment and you're just looking around and you're like, it's here. Everything that I want, everything that I wanted is here. And if I don't, if I don't take this moment to enjoy it now, then it's all futile. Like there's, there's no meaning in anything. If you can't just like even get overwhelmed with yourself as to what you're doing, you know, I'm sure you, do you have the same kind of experience yeah, 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 here? Yeah, for sure. Like we've been open, uh, the new facility that we've had one year yesterday uh, yeah. as of recording. So that's kind of a bit of a moment. Actually, the biggest moments that we have in here is when I, whenever I look around and we work with a group called the Rebel Wheelers who are mm-hmm. all wheelchair users and so sometimes you just look around and you see like two or three of our coaches working with these kids and the kids are just enjoying themselves having fun there's able-bodied people in the gym who are working hard as well just look around and see all that happening you're like oh yeah it's amazing it can just be maybe like a 10 second break that you take 10 second moment yeah yeah. you feel all those endorphins running around your back yeah yeah it's a good feeling no to see to see like to see a dream realized. Like, I, I mean, this is just my experience, you know? Um, but that's what I think we're all here to do. You know, we're here, like everyone's got, if they're honest with themselves, you know, or if they take the time to sit down and look, there's something that you want to do. You know, there's a dream there. It might be buried, you know? And for some people, it's like, it's easier for them to find what the dream is, you know? And for other people, like they're great at everything and then they don't know what it is they want to do. Yeah. And it's like, I guess I'm just lucky in that sense that like I have the calling. 
and now I'm answering it, you know? Yeah, yeah I guess you could be lucky to find it as well. Some, yeah. some people don't find it. Never find some it. Some people have yeah. an encounter with someone. Maybe some, some, pe- some people it might be having a child, you know, and they don't even realize until yeah. they like do it and they're like, oh yeah, this is what I was supposed to do. Yeah. You know? And like from a, I think what, what brings on those moments for me is the fact that everything is just so busy all the time mm-hmm. and you're working and you're organizing things or you're trying to get everything set up the way you want it and you sort of forget to lift your head and have a look at it sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is that the same way? Totally. Yeah. It happens in the shower to me when I'm like washing or whatever. And then I'm just like, fucking hell. I'm running, <laughs> I'm running my dad's venue. Like I'm running my pair. I like, you know, it's mental. It's crazy. You know, is it hard work? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it is. But it seems like it's it, unsociable hours or it, organizing yeah. things. What is it? What, what, how is it hard? Yeah. It's just like, it's just like anyone being self-employed, you know, yourself, man, you're like one in the morning, you're still doing stuff. And if you, and when, even when you knock off and you're watching a movie, you're still thinking, it's still like there, you know, you're like thinking about other people. It's admin. It's, it's trying to have the, you know, I never, I, I never went to business school. Like I never went to, I never went to, I don't know spreadsheets. Like I don't know how to be a bar manager. Like I don't know email decorum. Like I don't know what that's about like I, I sometimes just feel like I'm in this ocean and there's like waves everywhere you know I'm just like getting bashed around the place <laughs> you know but like I've had some amazing friends like I mean I had two partners originally that helped me get the whole thing off the ground and like none of it would have happened without without those without those people and then like you know friends that came on to like help me set up everything you know it's like it's definitely not just me you know, there's there's been a there's been this beautiful collective effort to get whatever this animal is off the ground. You know, to get Connolly's back alive. Who's on the Connolly's dream team at the minute? The Connolly's dream team at the minute is um, it's an ever changing panel. <laughs> it's been it's been it does it does seem to shift a lot. You know, like over the last year, the people that have helped me the most have probably been um, Emer Riley. Definitely helped so bloody much. Uh, Louise has uh, Louise Barker um, Peter Hayes is always a constant source of like fact checking you know he's like the air traffic controller you know to make sure I don't clip any skyscrapers (laughs) (laughs) and um, my mom is just like the rock behind the whole thing yeah then you know and Julie as well like everyone's like it's just ever changing you know I want to hear about the flag the flag the flag, the flag that hangs. So there's this mad flag that hangs on the stage. Okay, so I think it starts. I think the story starts with Paddy again. Um, he was obsessed with the wall. He was obsessed with Pink Floyd, the wall, to the point where I think they reenacted it every Tuesday night for like 15 years or something. With like all local, like local heads that would come and so they would have like a big like 10 piece band you know like keys and bass and guitar and they would have a saxophone they would even have like there's a mezzanine at the venue so they would even have like three female backing singers like up on top of the mezzanine looking down over the band and the name of the band was called uh, <laughs> cliff rescue in the helicopters um and i think it kind of became known Ireland wide that like oh if you want you know the wall the wall happens every Tuesday night in this rural venue in 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 West Cork you know it, it kind of became like this kind of running joke within the Irish music scene or circle to the point where um Glenn Hansard 
and the frames were recording an album in London in 2001 pretty sure the album it was the For the Birds album and they were doing it in some studio that was owned by or co-owned by some of the by some of the Pink Floyd guys and there was a they were recording one day and they went out into the back room of the studio and they were and there was all these like where, where it was a warehouse a storage warehouse and they were looking through the boxes and it was just you know there was one you know it was all this different stuff and they found these flags like they opened them up and it was the big circular um, kind of the hammer hammer flags. That, so, so the British artist called Gerald Scarf, I think he was the guy who made it all. And um, yeah, they just stole one. They just like took it, put it in the van, drove it back. And the next time they played in Connolly's, they um, they like wheeled it out, you know, and <laughs> and and hung it and put it up. But uh, yeah, so and then it's it's been sitting in Connolly's now for like. Um, for 20 years it's been up you know we've kind of adopted it as our um our logo in a way you know like i think that could be even a running theme through 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 a lot of the things i'm talking about is like taking an idea and like dissecting it analyzing it and then finding finding your own meaning and then moving forward with it again i mean that's exactly what happened it was like someone stole a flag that wasn't being used in the uk brought it back and now it's kind of like has this new life of being like it's a symbol of like resistance, you know, it's that red and white and the hammers. It's kind of like, it's kind of a quite a socialist like symbol. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, I wonder if there's any connection there to West Ham. <laughs> the hammers? <laughs> yeah. I guess, I guess the meaning maybe. I Hammer don't know. London? Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe. I mean, it's funny. It's become, it's become like the symbol for Connolly's, you know. Um, but it, it, that that flag and that story has kind of haunted me in this very weird way, you know, like, like I finally went to go through the archive of all of the recordings, you know, and like about, about two and a half, three years after dad passed away, I finally worked up the kind of the courage to like listen to some of the stuff, you know, and so I put, I, put, I picked out like the frames, right? like the frames live in Connolly's in 2001 or whatever. And I was like, all right, I'll put that on now. Like there's, there's no way I'm going to hear dad on that, you know? Like, I just really didn't want to just be caught out by like the sound of his voice. And uh, and I was like going through old photographs or whatever, had the music on, like the live show from Connolly's, in Connolly's, listening. And that like, dad just like comes on. Like he's like, on, he just went down stage to like, to tell everyone the story of how the hammers, I think it was the night that the frames were actually there, that they actually gave it to him. And I put the tape on and like obviously it was like in like it was very moving or it was very it was very an in, it was like an intense kind of like I tried to avoid hearing him, and then obviously I put the only tape in that was actually him telling the story of it, and then and then then Glenn ended up coming down and I ended up playing that in front of him and there happened to be someone filming it and it all looks like it was all very staged or whatever but it was, it was really wasn't like you know none of this has been it's been very like organic you know homogenous organic whatever you know it's been really it's it's kind of rolled it's rolling with it i seen that clip actually yeah and i think i'll, I'll put it in the show notes for anyone yeah to if they want to look at this yeah. nice the nice clip it, it was quite surreal actually because like you know that was like a tweet i just like tweeted glenn and i was like come down to Connolly's, you know come down for coffee and then he was like grand so 
you know, and then he just rocked up. There was no like, oh, I've got this clip of Paddy, you know, and, I, and I'll show you, I'll tell you what we do, we'll, you know, we'll make this little yeah. video. It was nothing like that. It was like, I just told him to come down. He came down. I, I played him the clip and Miles O'Reilly was standing there with a fucking lens, like, <laughs> like a ninja, <laughs> you know? And it's like, I, I think that's why the video, that's a very special moment to me and everything. It was like one of those full circle kind of moments. And yeah. Glenn came and did the one year anniversary last year. Then. Nice. Hmm. Are we swapping Glenn Hanser stories now? Do you, do you have some? I have one. Do you? Go uh, for uh, it. I'd love <laughs> it. I'll share it with you. So there, I don't know when, it, maybe this was maybe in 2011 or something like that. And uh, I got a phone call from a guy who's actually from West Cork, from Coulee. Oh, yeah. And he was living in Belfast with a friend of our family. He said, I'm organizing this festival in Coulee. And it's the first one. The next one's not going to be for another seven years. He's like, I want yourself and my brother Carver and Sean Ogo helping to come down. Seven years? Take, a part, of, take part in it. Oh, so he wow. didn't really give us much, much information. I thought he said it was starting at sunrise. I was going to go on all the way until sunset and then it was going to be over. So we went down at 5 p.m. thinking we get the next few hours of it. But it actually didn't start until sunset and it was to go on until sunrise. So it was through the night and there was seven different acts, seven different elements to it. Music, storytelling, poetry, dance, um, wow. singing and sport. Mm-hmm. And Glenn Hansard was there. Christy Miller was there. Michael O'Mahurty was there. Did an all-nighter with Michael O'Mahurty <laughs> having the chats. And then at, at just before the sun came up in the morning, uh, Patter, the guy who was organizing it, says, right, all the, all the hurlers up to the top of this hill across the way from the field. And we were walking up this hill across the way from where the stage was. There was about 300 people there, no drink. And Christy Moore and Glenn Hansard were singing the old triangle together as the sun was coming up. And I was like, wow, I was like, this is magic. And we've mm. been up all night this, by mm. this stage. And uh, we were, our cue was to go up to the top of the hill. There was a field, there was a river, and then there was a hill, and we were on the, on the hill. And when Pater O'Reilly was to wave his flag and he was playing Mish Era with the Cork Youth Orchestra, we were to run down the hill and then get into the field and start hurling, basically, and, and kind of beating each other up. And as we were running down the hill, Michael O'Mahurty started commentating on it, the whole thing. And then we all had a big kind of Tussle for about 20 minutes and he was commentating on the whole thing. Such a, a surreal experience. So I think the next one should be maybe next year. Really? Yeah. There's a good account of it on Christy Murray's blog, actually. But it was, yeah, it was, it was uh, something special. That is there. some story, man. Yeah. 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 It's very good. Um, actually, I remember driving home. There was three of us in the car on the way home. And I said, look, I have to stop the car here. I'm going to fall asleep. And we all fell asleep on the side of the road somewhere beside McCroom. I woke up three hours later, all of us at the same time. Just thought, obviously, that was just a dream. It didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it did happen. Yeah, you know, the, yeah, that's what you live for. You live for days like that. Yeah. You know. So you have Connolly's is, is flying. We get a rundown maybe of what's happening um, mm-hmm. in in the coming weeks and things yeah. uh, later on. But uh, I'm interested to find out how you juggle that with your own with musical own. career because you guys are, Yeah, you're in Talos at the minute. Mm-hmm. You guys are, building up a massive reputation yeah it's doing it's going really well ah man like Talos is like the is the you know what I was just saying to you there is like those moments you live for you know it's like that's that's what that is for me you know that's like the soul that's like the creative expression you know I think it's for me that's like that shit's like catharsis you know it's like I take my shoes off and I walk on stage and it's like I don't know we've just been doing it so long I've been playing music with those Samson boys for so long now it's like 
you know, I think before I die, like there'll be the moments that'll be like flashing before me, you know, it's just like feeling like you're, it's like primal, you know, for me anyway, that that's what, that's what it means to me. And I just like, I just, I just thank my lucky stars. I've kind of got to a situation where we can kind of like do that. And then like Frenchie, like he's just like a champion, you know (laughs) know what I mean? It's just like, I don't know. I instantly fell in love with that guy. You know, it's just even when you meet people, like I meet a lot of people, but I, you never, you're never just like, I have to work with that person, you know, but that definitely happened with him. So. What's been the Tala story so far? Um, Tal- well, Tal- it's been going for years. Like, uh, it's, well, it's, you know, Talos is like the mind of Owen French, really. It's like his, you know, and then we're kind of like, it's his kind of dreamscape. And then we're just like the, I don't know the live illustrators, you know, that bring it, bring it to the people, I guess. Um, it started with him, I think, a good few years ago. The first track they put out was Tethered Bones. And um, a lot of people really liked it. And, but I don't think he had a band or anything. And then he put together a little three-piece with um, with some guys, um, with Joseph and Frankie. And then that kind of like, they never they never pursued that too much and it kind of fizzled out again and the guys separated and went their separate ways and I don't know I don't know I think maybe Owen was thinking about hanging up the boots again but it was just him on piano playing with um Doc um Doc uh, David O'Connell on the cello and I was I was playing with this Jap- uh this Icelandic female punk band called <laughs> Dream <laughs> Dream Wife random there's another story there I was playing with this band and I was going to Iceland and I was like real pumped and I was like we we're doing like seven shows over there or something bumped into Frenchie one day and he was like, oh, I'm going to Iceland as well. And I was like, I'm out there. Like I've got my drums and everything. Like if you want me to learn some of the, I think I had a grand plan really in my head. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, I've, I fobbed it off as accidental. Oh yeah, um, I'm playing, I'm, I'm actually going over there. I'll maybe learn some. He was like, yeah, 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 okay. Play some live drums. And then I think he really liked the live kind of sound. And then uh, I, I just knew this drummer who was way better than me. His name is Josh Sampson. <laughs> so I basically got Josh in. And then that was, then it was like myself, Doc, Owen and Josh. And then like at this point, Alex wasn't even living in Ireland. He was still like, still uh, chasing, chasing tail around Australia. <laughs> and um, yeah, he came back. And, and at that point I had a, in my mind was like, we should have the four Sampsons, whatever playing but I mean yeah Owen did the record last year in West Cork um um with with the with the guy called Ross Turner and yeah it sounds great like I love it like I love I really like the music you know and I absolutely love Frenchie he's just such a dude to work with you know yeah he's an amazing architect and then like an amazing musician like super humble just like a nice guy I, I it's been a really fun like year and a half it's kind of a bit weird now like I got certain we got recognized in New York last week do you know that's yeah. a bit that's like on the outer it's just like a bit like oh god well, like you guys are smashing it I was at the gig in Electric Picnic mm. and it was mm. unbelievable gig yeah yeah, yeah. as it's it's dream come true shit man like yeah. <laughs> you know it's really it's really fun to 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 like have like those boys and like to have that thing that we do like the St. Luke show last year before we did that St. Luke show it was like forget it like the feeling after coming in uh, uh, like right after like playing like an amazing show for like the biggest crowd you've ever played to like for your for your show like completely sold out show in your hometown 
it's mental yeah it's a really cool feeling and again like so happy for I don't know how the juggling works like sometimes it works you know sometimes it doesn't sometimes there's some tala stuff I can't do you know and that and that's that's a bit of a bummer and then other times I'm neglecting Connolly's for Talas, you know, there's, that's definitely happened a few times, you know? Yeah. But man, it's like, just living the dream at the moment. It's like, maybe I'll wake up someday, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Damn, it didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm fat. <laughs> How did that happen? I better join, I better join a gym. <laughs> oh, I know a good place. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so... I wanted to ask you actually, what do you think of the the music scene in general in Cork, in Cork? and even further afield in Ireland? But in just Ireland? at the minute, yeah. what do you think? I I I love anyone that will just get up on stage. You know, have you done it? Have you ever like you 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 like to play a bit, don't you? Uh well, only recreationally. Yeah, actually, you're like a strummer. Like, yeah, yeah, but you know that feeling that when you're when you're like even you know that feeling of like oh god, there's people here and I have to play a song for them. Do you know yes, what I mean? You know well, that actually in a session in a bar, I don't know if I ever I haven't been in one in a long time, but I used to remember. Crap! Now I'm playing by myself. Yeah. <laughs> I hope I don't mess it up. Yeah. <laughs> but that's a different thing. <laughs> yeah. When you're sweating balls. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like I work in the music industry, so it's like, it's, there's so much talk, there's so much like business talk and business rhetoric and everything, and it's like, you know, you forget like you forget how hard it is to just really go out there and radiate your essence you know i mean that sounds that's a pretty hippie sentence there but like also like i mean like it's just it's just intense to go out there and do that and i just have respect for people that do that that get out there and go and do it and i think other people should too you know and i really think that like to in order to really know what's going on in the cultural scene you need to Go out there and support it. That's what my life is about. My life is about music. And I and I guess I'm like, sometimes my nose can be so close to shit I can't smell it because I'm just like in it. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm really like immersed into it. But I, I think there's amazing bands and artists in Ireland. Like there's a lot of people taking it really, really, really seriously. And there's a lot of people that are like making money doing it. And on the world, on the world stage, Ireland is like a force to be reckoned with. Do you know what I mean? Like our, as a, as a country, like what we export, you know, is art. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, look at look at the last ten years. Like the, the like the entertainment world has been is always been dominated by Irish art forms. I I think you know it's like some yeah, of the biggest. Who you listen to at the Who am I? Like yeah. Irish wise. Yeah. Um, what have I been listening to at the moment? You caught me on a hop there, man. Do you know what? You know the Bell X One album, the 2016 one, Arms. It's unbelievable. It's like, it's unbelievable. I love it. Um, fair bit of trad. Brian Finnegan. Yeah. Yeah. Love that guy. That album's, that album's ridiculous. A Moxie as well. Like they're one of my, I'm just so excited to see what they do. Like, love that stuff. That fusion, that kind of fusion music. Yeah, head Moxie stuff. were rocking out in it on, on the speakers in the gym yesterday. And yeah. people were loving that. They're, they're amazing. They're yeah. amazing band. Like Melty Brains. Melty Brains are one of the like I think one of the coolest bands in the world. Like their music's just so it can be it, it's so serious, 
but it like it defies genre. It's like it's like holding. It's like trying to hold water. It's like you won't. They won't let you figure them out or something. I love that. It's really ballsy. Um, man, I love all different types of stuff. Electronic. I love like what the vinyl below guys do. You know, it's like what like even Fish Go Deep coming down to Connolly's. I just love all different types of music. Yeah. Like we got trad and stuff coming up in Connolly's, and then like the following night we have like bands that are like Irish bands, like the band I Am the Cosmos. You know. And that, that stuff like they like that labels in Germany are trying to put out. You know what I mean? There's like Ireland's Ireland's like a force to be reckoned with with the amount of fucking art that is created here. Like yeah. it's no joke. All you gotta do, it's there. You just have to go and you have to go and um go to it. Because Irish people aren't they're not great at selling themselves. You know, we were talking about this even before I think we put the microphones out but it's like that Irish inferiority thing like oh sure he thinks he's great <laughs> yeah you know it's like no he is actually great you yeah. know but at the same time like there are people who travel there are people who travel to Connolly's all the time for for the gigs down there from mm-hmm. Cork that's not a short spin either yeah. like so the, it's, an hour, it's, yeah. it's there like yeah it yeah people there. care yeah absolutely I mean I'm just I'm doing it regardless like <laughs> whether it be like <laughs> we have some quiet nights as well yeah but um like, do you ever do stuff where you think this is a good idea and then when you're just about to pull the trigger you're thinking uh, maybe it's not a good idea I don't know maybe is anybody going to show up to this or totally like even this month coming up like I'm I'm alright so like if I could sum the entire last hour up in one sentence it would be like I am still so afraid that what I'm doing isn't isn't right or isn't going to be right I've just gotten really good at dealing with that it's like it's not that there's no stress there's a lot more of it I'm just way better at dealing with it yeah you know I feel maybe I can I can 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 feel that that. as well relate to that yeah Yeah. like we have this this event on in the gym once every five or six weeks where it's a long table lunch Mm -hmm. and it's a free event and it's it's just an idea that came about to try and bring people together to eat together again I love that so we have this long table. We borrow them from Rupert generally from the farmer's market. We put them down the middle. It normally starts at one o'clock. And normally I'm sitting here at one o'clock going, nobody's going to show up. <laughs> and then 20 people might walk in the door. Yeah. And then you're going, okay. Oh, and there's other times, maybe other events that we've organized who only a handful of people showed up, a few people. But I, get, I think you have to take the... Good with the bad. Yeah, because that's how you that's how you get the real gems out of it. Absolutely. You know, it's my friend, um, like Stevie Stevie Burns opening a, a new space. The Dali and Gal- Galia thing, I think it's called. And I was and I was like trying to think of some advice to give him. And I think I, I gave him a little tiny bit of advice, but upon revise I was like, Oh, did that sound patronizing or did it sound condescending? Well I'll tell I'll tell you what I said to him. It was like when things are going, re- <laughs> it's like when something goes really well. I was like something along the lines of like, don't, don't run away with yourself with it. And it was like he was a bit like, what, what? <laughs> so I, so I was like, all right, I'll give you an example. We had like James Vince McMorrow came and to Connolly's last year and did like his man. You know, they were launching the record and they were do- they were they were supporting Sigur Ross in Dublin they needed a place to do like some rehearsals and then like some gigs to actually play the new songs in front of like people and I was like watering at the mouth when like when his management called me you know I was like I'll bend over backwards I, I was like I got to cook for them 
and like put them up making cocktails. So they were down for like four days. One of my favorite artists over the last few years. And I was like, I was like the cat that got the cream. My ego, my head was like exploding because I was like, oh, I'm so class. <laughs> you know? I was like, one of my favorite artists. In my-. And it was like, I let it all, it all went to my head. All the blood went to my head, you know. And then the day after they, he left and it was all done, whatever. I had this like, it was like, it was like someone, a junkie coming off smack or whatever. I was like crying on the floor, looking at my calendar, being like, there is nothing as cool as that for the next three months. Like I have, you know, I was like, I've peaked, you know? <laughs> and it was really weird. And I was like, in that moment, I was like, I'm going to be really careful when something good happens. Cause like you start getting high off the fumes of your own success, you know? And like, you just start to run away with it. And then you have these like highs and lows and all these kind of crashes, you know? And I started kind of regulating the high. So I started kind of like, when it the show is sold out and it's going really well and you're like okay phew, i pulled it off like a, i've i've gotten away with it or whatever it is you know i started kind of like just regulating everything so then when the nights like then i've had nights where like literally no one showed up you know like the band are ready like they're sound checked like they're there and then i cook for them we eat and then it's like tumbleweed you know like I've, I've had that like not one person shows up for the gig you know yeah. and i've advertised for it i've paid for the advertising of posters up and like still you're just like no one and you're like no one cares about what i'm doing you know and it's like you don't throw in the towel then do you know what i mean because you're like you're regulated and you're kind of like you can handle whatever it is that's going to come at you you know so I, that was what i was trying to say to I was talking to someone just this morning actually in one of our really early morning training sessions just afterwards we um we're talking about people who are working in an area that requires total commitment to that to the development of the project. So, mm-hmm. for example, we were just talking about the gym here, where I know like we're here completely committed to developing the gym, and mm-hmm. like I love what we do here. So when there's the bad day, you can keep going, mm-hmm. and when there's the good day, you can just take a second and go, "Yeah, this is good." Mm-hmm. But then, if you didn't, if you didn't love it, you would just stop. And, yeah absolutely and if you don't love it also there's plenty of people out there who do who'll just kick your ass yeah and then you'll be gone damn right yeah yeah so true you're in a you're i would argue that you're in a more competitive market than i am though i think maybe i, I think you are there's not, there's not really like venues are closing down mate there's not a you know gyms are opening up aren't yeah they? Sure, nobody yeah. does the same same stuff that we do though that's the thing like we try mm-hmm. and stay away like for, like the fitness industry uh, as such is pretty much i think it's mostly a fraud yeah it yeah. preys on people's weaknesses yeah. or like it's or their their feelings of inadequacy like. exactly it's based yeah. on building up people's insecurities and yeah. being superficial we're trying to do the opposite of that so we're not really in competition with yeah with most of the places it's written on the walls out there you can feel it as soon as you walk in here this is like a place that's designed to make you feel good about yourself you know there's not there's not many mirrors out there yeah there's no mirrors <laughs> yeah i there's like n- that there's no electrical equipment love that yeah. <laughs> yeah, even if the power goes out. Yeah, candles. I'm still working out. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone stop, let's just record a podcast instead. <laughs> Ripping it. <laughs> yeah. Um Brilliant. So I want to hit you with a quick fire round. Yeah, go for it. Normally people have these questions beforehand, but that's all right. You don't, so you uh, just go straight into the deep end. I've never had a problem talking. Have these questions that are here and they're covering coffee that I spilled earlier right. on. So just gonna bring them over. What advice would you give to the 10 year old, 10 years younger version of yourself? 10 years younger. 
So what age am I? I'm 17. It's going to sound very corny or something, but it's like, just do your thing. Get up and do your thing. Keep going. Yeah. Listen to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, would, I wouldn't want to mess with stuff too much, you know? I'm, 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 I feel incredibly privileged to be sitting here just having a chat, you know, like even like someone to even give a shit about having me, you know, with some headphones on and a microphone, you know what I mean? It's like, I definitely, I feel like I made some good decisions so far. So it's like, you'll be all right, bye. <laughs> <laughs> Tap on the back. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> who's a person, who's an inspiration to you and why? Who's an inspiration to me and why? Uh, my friend Dave Smith from Dublin. Um... I don't know. He's just like massive hustler. He's just like, uh, he's helped, he's helped me a lot. He's been a pretty bigger inspiration to me. Um, he did, he did kind of a space like this before called Mabos in uh, or space like Connolly, sorry, like a, like a kind of a club, like a late night thing. And he's just like worked for himself, always worked for himself. Just like always has great advice to give, you know, Who's a person or a group that you'd like to collaborate with? Dead or alive? Dead or oh, dead or alive? Like a band? Like a band? Or yeah. Or like oh, well, come on! It would be the surrealists. Yeah. Yeah, Paris man, bring me back. Andre <laughs> Breton, he's probably one of my like. He's probably my like. I just the fucking surrealists. Imagine Dali, hanging out in Paris, just like wearing a black suit. I don't know. <laughs> Rocking out? Yeah, just like collecting old masks from Africa or whatever. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like yeah, damn straight. Do you have a favourite book? Favourite book? Probably, like, the one that instantly jumps in there is called um, Iron John. Uh, it's about, it's called, it's uh, written by, um, I can't remember who wrote it. Yeah, Iron John. It's called um, A Book About Men. It's like the masculine men's journey. Uh, told through like it's it's a little bit like Joseph Campbell do you know like the myth do you know like the do you know Joseph Campbell yeah Yeah. the hero with a thousand faces it's kind of like it's a little bit like that it's but it's 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 um it's male centric it's a very good book even for women as well it's just a book about the modern male predicament you know this whole kind of like you're kind of like people want you to be macho or they want you to be like the stole make figure, you know, people do want that. And then the minute you try and do it, it's like, oh, you can't be like that. You know, it's just like, you're dead if you do, you're dead if you don't type of thing. This modern male, like this is a serious problem with, with men's mental health in this fucking country, you know, is like, that is a fact. You know, it, the suicide levels are like borderline epidemic. And I just think that you, that, that book really helped me anyway. It helped me with myself. And uh, I highly recommend any young men to, yeah, check it out. Definitely. Yeah, actually, it's probably worth a mention because the last time we were talking, we watched that video, My Ireland. Yeah. I feel like that's deserving of a mention on this podcast. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Have you, you, I should, I was saying like, we we should look at getting Stephen James Smith down here. Like, I should just do a Connolly's event up here. Yeah. Oh. That would be wicked, man. Like, totally do that. In here? I would totally do that. Like a Connolly's takeover yes. at a Cleet, that would be like no bother. I'd oh, love yes. to do something like Actually, that. Actually, I was going to ask you about something about yeah. like this. So, okay, we need to talk about that. S- Steve James Smith is probably, I think, one of the most important artists that I've come across in the last year or two in Ireland. One of the coolest things about the venue for me, honestly, has been the spoken word. I just think it's like, it's so punk, that shit. 
those guys the work that they're doing is like they are elevating the con like you know consciousness they're going out they're like the they're like the modern day philosophers you know that's something that's not it's not as 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 common maybe as it used to be like like we're really going back to generations mm -hmm. in ireland like that's how people learned yeah it was just by yeah. oral oral yeah. That, totally yeah yeah totally yeah again that book iron john that's what it was it was like it's all about that oral tradition those stories that are passed down and hidden in those stories are like you know the me is the meaning of life and not all not also the meaning of life but the tools that you need to actually maneuver through life through the human experience you know and like that's the type of stuff that really keeps me going like that's that's the shit that turns me on <laughs> <laughs> on that note <laughs> i don't want to keep you too much longer because we've right, been we've had a great chat and i really appreciate you coming in uh, i want to find out what is coming up for Connolly's and for Talos. Mm, cool. Talos are doing a whole big Irish tour in December. Uh, two Cork shows, two Dublin shows, a Galway show, a Limerick show, and a Connolly's Alep show. I think the Dublin and the Cork shows are sold out, I think. And there's a few tickets left for the Connolly's one. But it's very, very, yeah, it's, it's very close to selling out. And then as for what I'm doing um, at Connolly's, what have we got coming up this month? We've got loads of cool shit. <coughs> Next week, Fish Go Deep. Then we have um, a beautiful kind of folk music, a harpist from Scotland on, on November 10th. Then um, we've got Martin Hayes and Dennis Cahill from The Gloaming. They're down on the, it's actually a Wednesday night. I had to move the date. It's on, it's on the 15th now. And then we have, I am, I am the Cosmos, uh, Robbie Kitt and the Dip DJs. They're doing like a night on the Saturday. The Sunday I've got Mark Geary on the 19th. Um, then we're doing a, a strange brew night. That's, that's basically four bands from Galway. Slow Place Like Home, Elaine May, Paddy Hanna and Dahi. Then we've got, the next night we've got Paul Noonan from Bell X1, he's playing. And then the following night is Lancome. Do you know that, that folk band from, yeah. from Dublin? So yeah, I'm pretty happy with that. That's November. a full schedule. That's like, it's no joke. That reminds me, did, did I read somewhere that when your dad started the music uh, venue that there was 240 gigs in one year? We're going to break 250 this year. Holy crap. Yeah. No, my dad was like more like, yeah, we're, we'll do 250 this year. That's insane. Yeah, I did 50 gigs in June, July, and August. Wow. Yeah, 50 shows. Like we did one, we did one, six, eight last year. And like, we're already doing way more this yeah. year. Yeah. Because I only did three in January last year. Only and then, three. and yeah, yeah, only three. <laughs> and then this in, in January this year, I did like six, you know. So oh. I was like, I'm definitely turning it up. Like, you know, it's a lot of, it's a lot of work. Turn up the volume. Yeah, man. Yeah. Go big or go home. But I'm at home, so I just might as well just... I can go. I can stay at home and go big. <laughs> the best of both. <laughs> Websites and social media, where can we find you? Uh, yeah, I, it's it's hard not to find me. Okay. You'll have to stay in a dark room with the lights off. Connolly's have a website? Connolly'sOlep.com Talos have a website? Talos, Talos, Talos. I think that's what it's called. Same com. on Instagram? I, I think it is, yeah. And social media then, Facebook? Yeah, just Connolly's Alep, you'll find me. And then I'm Sam McNichol. Beautiful. Oh, yeah. Brilliant. Thank you very much. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> That's a wrap.
I want to thank Sam for taking the time to sit with me and share a story with us today. Every week, I feel very grateful for the people that take time out of their busy schedules to sit down and have the chats on the Rebel Matters podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please share it on your social media and with your friends and give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. This helps big time with the ongoing progress at Rebel Matters. Don't forget to check out the rest of the episodes on Ackley.ie, that's www.aclai.ie. And if you're in the market for some top drawer personal training, book a complimentary consultation through the same website and we'll help you achieve whatever goal it is you have in mind. Today, I have a very special treat for you with the kind blessing of the guys from Talos. We're going to close out the show with one of my favourite Talos tracks, which is called In Time. Before we have a listen, I want to let you know about the upcoming events at Ackley. If you're listening to this at the time of release, you still have time to get ready for our long table lunch, which is on Saturday the 27th of January at 1pm. All you have to do is bring along a dish that you want to share and sit down and enjoy the vibes. We have a new conversational Irish language course starting on Monday the 29th of January at 6pm, suitable for beginners and taught by the brilliant Ono Sullivan. Then on the 2nd of February at 8pm, we're showing the movie What Happened Miss Simone as part of our ongoing movie club. Gideon Ketter Alakara, Buen Soltas and Oran, I was Kenny Fiery. I set a fire to the moonshade. We are just shadows in the cascades of history. Faded love and the your games The sky release I said our bodies on my lungs show This heavy whisper makes me more scared than anything I was loved and now their love's lost I know they'll never find us We had a lot of madness as a feel
In a sense, all your rolling 